This podcast was recorded about three weeks before the tragic death of legendary voice actor Kevin Conroy. As such, Galactosh, Virtual Dave and myself would like to dedicate this episode to Kevin, the definitive voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Arc My Optics, a podcast where adults discuss, overanalyze and generally take a kid's toy and media franchise a little too seriously, usually that of Transformers, but not today. No, we're taking a break from our bread and butter of deconstructing Cybertronian life and instead turning our attention to the crime-plagued streets of Gotham. Don't switch off. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're not talking about that depressing three-hour emo yawn fest that came out earlier this year. No, today we are discussing one of, if not the best, Batman feature films, Mask of the Phantasm. I am your Dark Knight of Vengeance, Orion Gear, and with me is my acrobatic young ward and boy wonder, Virtual Dave. Say hello to our listeners, Virtual Dave. Hello, everybody. <laughs> no. Plus... Uh, we're welcoming back our unfailingly loyal but cuttingly sardonic butler <laughs> to our dynamic duo, Galactosh. Good afternoon. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. So, Batman the Animated Series was Batman the Animated Series. Come on, everyone knows what it was. Mm-hmm. First aired in 1992. It was the best superhero cartoon of the 90s. There's no, there's no discussion on that. <laughs> and it ran for three years when it was revamped into the slightly less good but still pretty fantastic New Adventures of Batman, and ran another six years before ending in 2001, after spawning a whole DC animated universe. But that's a discussion for another time. Batman Mask of the Phantasm was the first feature film and only theatrical release Mm -hmm. to spin out from this hugely successful franchise. Released on Christmas Day in 1993, and was directed by the co-creators of the Batman animated series, Eric Radomski and Bruce Timm. The movie bought the 1940s art deco gothic noir action adventure of the animated series to the big screen, and it was glorious. So, you know the drill. Uh, Let's run down where we were and what we were doing in December 1993. What was our experience of the animated series and the movie at the time? Dave, were you even born yet? (laughs) I was... Well, I was... What? You said it came out Christmas Day, right? No. Christmas Day, 1993. So weren't you 364 years old? days old? <laughs> Is it... Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You hadn't even turned one yet. I hadn't even turned one. Oh. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it at the time, obviously. <laughs> That's no excuse. Until many, many years later. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I did get to watch the film. Um, and, ah, oh, I remember finding it, um, probably like a, like a hidden chapter of the animated series. Obviously, I watched that growing up, but I didn't know about this film. I had seen the poster, I'd seen the imagery for it, but I don't think I saw it even at the hype of the watching the animated show when I watched it. 
um, mm. which I kind of um, really like because I got to appreciate it a bit more watching this film a bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galactosh, um, you were, well, I imagine... I'd, I'd been 14 knocking on 15 at the time, so I was proper into it, the whole uh, Batman thing. Saturday mornings, watching a Batman cartoon. Possibly even Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. I can't remember when it was on. It's a long time ago now. But I don't remember the film coming out whatsoever until about two or three years later that I saw a double VHS box set in WH Smith's with mm-hmm. that and the follow-up uh, Sub-Zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sort of blew my mind because other than seeing the advert on the back of uh, comics every week going down the comic shop and seeing it at the time, I, t- I honestly thought it was a, co- a computer game. <laughs> until I saw it in the and saw it in WH Smith, and then I got all excited and blew all my pocket money. I think about twenty <laughs> quid on a VHS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't remember it coming out of the cinema to be honest. Um, Did it have a UK release here at Christmas? Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. That's one thing I didn't look up in research for this. I I don't know actually. I couldn't find out either. I'm sure if I'd seen it at the cinema, I would have gone. We can't 100% confirm this, but all information online points to The Mask of the Phantasm not receiving a cinematic release outside the US. From the information available, it does appear that the first opportunity to watch this in the UK was the VHS release over 18 months later in July 1995. I was, I mean, I was only a year old. I was 15. Living just outside Norwich. Um, uh, I've been there almost a year. I hated it. But that's nothing, got nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, at the time, I was I was like moving on from action figures and toys in general to computer games and Games Workshop. Uh, I was still re- I was reading comics, but I wasn't that interested in Batman to be honest at the time. So I did watch the show, but kind of intermittently, mm. and I thought it was great. But I was less interested in kids' cartoons at the time, and it was impossible to watch in order. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think I was more into my Amiga A1200 and Frontier Elite 2 than than Batman. Plus, Star Trek Next Generation and X-Files were on TV, so like... <laughs> yeah, sliders. There's lots of other... Th- yeah, there's lots of other things to to pique my interest. So yeah, I didn't actually... I mean, I watched, like I say, I watched some episodes, but it wasn't until m- many, many years later that I watched all the series and the movies. Uh, like you say, Glatosh, um, I don't remember Mask of the Phantasm coming out. It was just there later. It's like, oh, where did this come from? Mm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at the time, I mean, you might agree with me, Galactosh, superheroes weren't a big thing in the UK, really. No. Uh, other than, so every now and again, we get a Batman film. Uh, what was it, 93? So we just had uh, Batman Returns the year before. Mm. Um, so we were very much still in the Tim Burton era of superheroes. We hadn't had a good Superman film since, uh, well, in... About 13 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than sort of some really bad TV movies like Justice League and things like that were coming out. Oh, yeah. We're on the verge <laughs> of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film not being released anywhere. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't a thing. Um, Dolph Lundgren not long played Punisher. That's about as close to a comic book film as we were getting at the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was a dark day. Yeah, I think we were just moving into like superhero cartoons being. I mean, obviously there were superhero cartoons before these, but like things like 
Batman the Animated Series and um, X-Men kind of blew up superhero cartoons, really, in the 90s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Between that, The Amazing Spider-Man and uh, mm. Batman, um, like there was a Superman cartoon that came out around the same time, but no one seems to remember that very fondly. <laughs> um, and, of course, Batman the Animated Series span out into Superman the Animated Series, didn't it? And, yeah. Uh, Various other Justice League things. Yeah, it kind of grew. It kind of like uh, grew up with that generation. It, it like the Batman in the animated series, then all the sequential spin-offs, and then Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. It was all kind of an interworking universe that expanded just from the Batman series. Mm. Well, it went on for quite a long time, didn't it? Yeah, because to bear in mind that. The biggest thing that you could see on telly about superheroes at the time was the new Avengers of Superman. Oh, yeah. Lois and Clark. Bing Kane. Yeah, Lois and Clark, new Avengers of Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lois and Clark. Yeah. Um, that was... That was... <laughs> we can have discussion so on that at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> That's an entire podcast on its own. It was called New Avengers of Superman over here, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They, they dropped the Lois and Clark over here. Yeah. Then it had Noel Edmonds introducing it. Did they? Yeah, it was not. It was on just before Noel's house party every Saturday, and so Noel really, uh, <laughs> yeah, Noel Edmonds would get up on telly just before introduce the next episode uh, to remind you that there's also going to be a lottery draw as well, and then there'll be uh, <laughs> Noel's house party. So it was kind of like the Noel Edmonds uh, evening. That's incredible recollection of, uh, of television <laughs> scheduling at the time. Oh, I just remember because the first episode came out, it annoyed me so much because the announcer said that a man who gets his powers every time he takes his glasses off. And I'm going, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got them. <laughs> yeah, and it really, got, it really wound me up when it happened, like for ages. Yeah, I, I, I've, I totally understand that kind of pedantism. <laughs> Right, well, shall we just talk a little bit about the the movie and how it came into being? So it was originally intended to be a direct-to-video thing, but they kind of changed their mind quite, well, midway through and decided to make it a theatrical release. So it, it had quite a tight production schedule. It, wasn't, it didn't have a lot of studio interference. Like, there was a lot of changes made. Well, yes and no. Yeah, there were... They, well, they, 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 they basically... They bumped up the budget, but they didn't increase the production schedule, so it's, they had to make it in eight months. Yeah, we want it to be um, theatrical release now. Um, make those changes. Oh, and also it's been for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> do it quickly. <laughs> yeah, amazing, really, and uh, it's amazing it turned out as well as it did, to be honest. Yeah. Although the animation does suffer in places. Mm. There are moments where they've gone. Oh, let's just see if we can squeeze this one in. Yeah, I mean, I understand that they went over it because originally, obviously, with it originally being made for TV, they had to go over it and make it all widescreen and uh, basically upgrade some of the animation mm. midway through, which possibly shows a bit. Yeah, I was watching it again last night and just thinking, oh, that's even Transformers the movie didn't get it that bad when they they uh, made some mistakes in the animation. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's, it's it's largely okay, I think. But yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah, like you were saying, um, Dave, the um, there were some che- some changes made. Like I think the writer Alan Burnett wanted to make it a court, like a courtroom drama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's 
It did. It did happen though. It came in the season after or something. That's right. It was in um, the second season of Batman the Animated Series, an episode called Trial. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it was like the uh, the inmates of Arkham Asylum putting Batman on trial for making them the way they are. But obviously, with that, with it being a theatrical release, they had to make it a bit more action packed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a Batman courtroom drama is the Batman film we need. Maybe not the one we deserve. <laughs> I mean, it would be different, wouldn't it? True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's some disagreement over whether Joker was going to be in it or not as well. Mm. Some people, some of the writers say he was always in it. Some of them say he wasn't and added later because of, you know, studio interference or whatever. Wasn't there some sort of something about... They didn't want to have the Joker in it because it, it being a theatrical release, people would be confused that the Batman and the '89 Batman Joker was dead. So how could this Joker be alive? Mm-hmm. They thought that the masses just wouldn't understand that the the two separate things. <laughs> I'd not heard that, but it's it's totally believable. <laughs> yeah, and uh, apparently Harley Quinn was deliberately left out of it because they wanted to cement the fact that Joker was a solo threat. And again. She was confusing to people who mm-hmm. didn't know the animated series, knew Batman from the Tim Burton stuff. It's the same with Robin. He's left out. Yeah. Robin wasn't really in the cartoon <laughs> for a very long time, though. Season two, wasn't it? I think I think, was he, it, I think it was a couple of season one episodes he appeared, but then he disappear. Yeah, he's in it, but just sporadically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like, he just pops up and it's like, where have you come from? Oh, I've always been here. hardly important to the topic in hand but robin did appear in just 15 of the 65 season one episodes and is mentioned in a couple more so it's understandable that galactosh could have totally missed him or that we could have been convinced that he was added during season two seeing as he appears just as sporadically in both seasons so as i said it was written by alan burnett but paul dini uh, Martin Pascoe and Michael Reeves assisted with the screenplay. Apparently, Pascoe handled all the flashback segments. Reeves wrote the climax, and Dini just said he filled in holes here and there. Very um, <laughs> very modest. <laughs> yeah, very modest of him. Yeah, sounds like a plasterer. Yeah, indeed. I mean, Glatosh, are you aware what um that it's based on? I'm sure you're aware what well, it's based on. It's couple, in effect. It's like year one and year two. Mm-hmm. A lot of the flashbacks ripped from uh, Batman year one, almost directly, some of them, particularly the ski mask bits. Yeah. Um, but you've got mm-hmm. the uh, Phantasm itself, which is basically ripped from year, the Reaper from year two. Pretty much yeah. took exactly the design from it. But Lit Lills. Yeah. Have you read year two? Yes. Uh, I think I'd read it at the time. It's terrible, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Well, it's it's like it's it's like Star Trek films. It's the odd ones that are good. Mm. <laughs> year one and year three are quite good. Yeah. Year two, even zero years a bit. <laughs> yeah, it is. I hadn't read it. I read it recently. I actually didn't know that it was based on year two until I was researching this. So I went back and read year two. I knew year two existed. I knew it was Todd McFarlane. So I was like, not, not, I wasn't terribly interested. <laughs> and, uh, and the writer, I mean, I can't remember who, what the name of the writer is. I've got it noted down somewhere here. Um, oh, I can't remember. Do, 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 do. It was Michael W. Barr. Mike W. Barr. Oh, that massive name in comics. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I can't say I've read much of his work. 
ever? I can't think of a single other thing I've read. I probably have. <laughs> no, but me neither. I can't recall it. I looked back, and he's not done a lot of he's not done a lot of work that you could call has you could say has a lot of merit. Okay, <laughs> he worked for DC then. <laughs> yeah, he did, and he, he worked a lot on a lot of Star Trek comics as well. Okay, that explain <laughs> that explain why I've not read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and the art, I mean, the art, art was done by mostly Todd McFarlane. I think um, Alan Davis did the first issue or two, and then it was Todd McFarlane. So um, basically, it was great, and then it dropped. The quality dropped massively when Todd McFarlane came on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not even top, top rank Todd McFarlane art, is it? It's kind no. of a bit ropey. The colours are weird, and what they've done it. It's just like the colourings. So mm. I've just gone with a massive paintbrush and gone. Yeah, we don't need any detail. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's that was that was a lot of DC's mid nineties problem. Anyway, they got rid of detail and went for mm. colour. Dave, have you read it? No, I haven't. I just know a lot, a lot of the imagery from it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell that piece. Um, where the influence comes from for the phantasm, though. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know whether you want to do it, Galactos. Do you want to explain the plot? Oh, of year two. Mm. I honestly can't remember it. It's so weak. <laughs> I am um, mm. a bad guy. Turns up, and he's trying to kill a load of gangsters. That's how I remember it. Uh, and then I kind of finished it and put it down. And ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I read it quite recently, so I can kind of go over it. But like, the main antagonist is a guy called the Reaper, and he has a very similar appearance to uh, the Phantasm. He basically looks like the Grim Reaper. Isn't it some something to do with like Batman's killing rule, and the Reaper is like, yeah, just kill them and make it easier. What, what are you worried about? Yeah, Batman. <laughs> essentially, Batman goes crazy <laughs> for no reason. Okay. <laughs> Well, to be fair, it was already crazy. Well, yeah, I, I just mean extra crazy. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because like the, the Reaper has been out of town for a while for some reason um, and then comes back and then starts killing people, gangsters and so on. As you do. <laughs> and Batman decides he has to stop him and he has a fight with him and he gets hurt. So he decides, oh, I'm going to have to start using guns now for some yeah. reason. And he decides to use the gun that Joe Chill used to kill his parents for some reason. Oddly specific. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> he has to team up with Joe Chill, doesn't he? Yeah, he teams up with yeah. Joe Chill to take him out. <laughs> Why Joe Chill? It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Oh, it's flooding back to me now. <laughs> I, I put some psychic blocks on this one. <laughs> Isn't the, there's some sort of love interest and the Reaper is the father of the love interest or something? Correct. Yeah, that's that's all I know. That's that's yeah. That's, that's... And she's she's going to become a nun, but okay. because <laughs> but because Bruce Wayne is so damn charming, she decides to marry him instead. I mean, fair enough. As you do. Yeah, but then when her father dies at the end of the comic, she decides she has to go and be a nun to atone for her father's sins. There you go. It's awful, honestly. It's, yeah. it's not worth reading. Um, it's not. It's not even worth it for the art, to be honest. It's kind of yeah, like I say, it's it's subpar. Um, Todd McFarlane stuff, to be honest, and not his biggest fan anyway. But you know. So basically, you're saying that Mask of the Phantasm has taken ideas from this 
and just mm. made it better. In fact, this, yes. just yes. like, let's, let's take this from the ground up and do it right. <laughs> Think of it as the difference between Battlestar Galactica and the remake. Yeah. That took a premise. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's one of those very few examples where you can't say the original comic was much better. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't. No. I mean, okay, year one, maybe, but year two, no. Yeah. But yeah, there are elements of year one, but it's mostly based on year two, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah. the, the year one elements are the kind of Batman learning to, well, sorry, Bruce Wayne learning to become Batman. Mm. They've basically taken sort of a swathe of panels and used that mm-hmm. and then moved on, but not te- taken the whole plot of year one. Yeah. They're not worried about the year one's plot. They've just taken the idea, the, the imagery of where they're going with how he got mm. started. But year two, they've gone, oh, there's a concept here. Let's use it, but do it right. And basically, it's changed everything. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's all the better for it. Yeah. Am I right in thinking as well that this is the first time his origin of like year one has been put out theatrically as well, isn't it? Like, because the previous films don't really touch on his how he became Batman bit. No, not yeah. You're right. No. Yeah, I don't think they have. No, the, even the '66 TV series didn't even go into uh, how it did it. No, I don't think '66 so. doesn't even mention murdered parents, but briefly. Yeah. Well, they might be dead, and that's it. No, they didn't leave, left it alone. <laughs> yeah, 66 Batman is quite a different Batman to this Batman or any of the other theatrical Batmans, really, isn't he? So, yeah. He's great, but <laughs> he's definitely a different <laughs> a different type. Yeah, don't don't knock Adam West in front of me. It won't go oh, I would, I would never. I would never dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you met him? No, I tried to. I was meant to. I was going to the London Film and Comic Con just because he was scheduled to appear and sign, and I'm thinking, oh, I'll finally get a chance to meet Adam West. And it was uh, when I was looking through it, I re- that's how I found out he was d- dead, because oh, he was just oh. mysteriously off the guest list. Oh, oh no. And I had to oh, look it up and found out he died. And it's like, oh. Shit. Yeah, I was going to go meet Adam West. Mm. Uh, uh, but no, I never got a chance to actually meet him. Shame. It's a shame. I wish I'd found out in a better way as well. Yes. Yeah. Other than, oh, I wonder if the, I wonder if Burt Ward's turning up as well, and it's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean Adam West's not going anymore? Oh. Why is Adam West not going? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah. it's a great shame when he died. Okay, well, let's talk about the movie then, since we've uh, you know talked about Adam West yeah. and Batman Year One a bit, mm-hmm. Batman Year Two. <laughs> so, Dave, do you want to run us through the plot and try not to hit the spoilers too quickly? Okay. Um, well. The film opens up with, arguably, just throwing it out there, my hot take, one of the best Batman scores ever. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. It, it opens so... Absolutely. Ep- epically. Um, and you... Shirley Walker, I think, is the composer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bloody genius. Um, uh, so the film opens up with Batman doing what Batman does, stopping bad guys from doing bad things. Um... And one of them slips away and goes out into a car park and gets stopped by this mysterious figure in smoke. And mm-hmm. initially this person thinks, oh, Batman, how'd you get here before me? Uh, what's going on here? And he quickly realizes it's not Batman. And this figure tries to kill him. He gets away somehow and then he gets in his car and 
shenanigans happen and he unfortunately kills himself. And people see this. Well, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't kill himself. He was the one in the driver's seat and went off well, the building. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't know where he's going and he drives off out, out of the side of a building and. Sure. Yeah, he does land in another building though. <laughs> yeah. People see this and think Batman is the one who caused the accident. Because Batman's there. Because Batman, people see Batman. And then uh, there's the mystery begins to find out who this mysterious figure is. Then as the film goes on, more mob bosses or top mob people get killed in mysterious situations where this masked figure appears. And Batman is just like a few steps behind. For pe- That's enough for people to see him there at the crime scene and think, oh, well, Batman did it. Mm-hmm. And then as it progresses, you get this, this um, person from Bruce's past who was the lady who got away, um, gets introduced. and Andrea he, Beaumont. Andrea Beaumont. And you can see that she has um, some sort of... Uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name. The, the weasel attorney man. Uh, his name is Arthur Reeves. Councilman Arthur Reeves. That's it. Like, they all have a past together, and it's into that, mm-hmm. but you don't really know what it is yet. And it's just slowly figuring out through flashbacks that there was a relationship between this lady at the time when Batman was learning the ways of becoming Batman and how to attack uh, people of the night. Uh, mm-hmm. And slowly but surely you find out that this gang has a lot more to do with this lady and the one... And her father. And her father and the councilman. And the only other person who was still alive from all of these killings has to go to one of his former workmen who turns out to be the Joker and asks for his help in catching this person or killing them. Initially, the Joker doesn't want to do it, but, you know, he thinks that, oh, maybe it is Batman. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. And joins in and helps him. Well, he doesn't help him. He kills him. Yes, that was helping him. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was his twisted way of helping. Well, in the him. same way a vet helps stricken dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the Joker in this, by the way. It's, uh, mm. <laughs> all of his little moments. Yeah, so it all comes down to Joker trying to find out who this person is. The Joker figures it out quite quickly, but um, it takes Batman a bit longer. See, spoiler alert. It is the lady in question who has come back mysteriously at the same time as this mm-hmm. mysterious figure, who is never named, but the Phantasm. Yeah. And it all comes down to this big showdown in a theme park of the future. Um, world of Tomorrow. Yeah. World of Tomorrow. It was like the World's Fair, but mm. decrepit World's Fair. Yeah, yeah. Which, Which is quite a great place for a showdown, I think. It was... A lot of the callbacks from the the um, flashback where you get to see them there going on dates and then hmm. how it's all changed and the future is actually quite crap compared to what they envisioned <laughs> only 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> well, Gotham's really gone downhill since then, hasn't it, really? Yeah. But yeah, big showdown with all the um, explosions and you can see where the budget went towards the end. <laughs> Obviously... Andrea tries to kill the Joker. Batman comes in and saves the day from her. Say, go away! Don't do this! You know? You know, choose, choose life! Don't, don't, 
don't don't fall for revenge and you know like I did exactly <laughs> only I can be burdened with this yeah and it doesn't go that way she does come back saves him big explosion did they die no you know so it's happily ever after in the end you know well not really <laughs> I mean <laughs> well on a scale of one to Batman yeah it's a happily yeah, ever after I mean <laughs> as for happily ever after it she disappears the Joker gets away and Batman just goes back to being moody on top of a building. Oh, yeah, and there's a really cool car, um, cop chase as well. Oh, there's some really good set pieces in the whole yeah. thing. Like, yeah, the rooftop chase with the mm. police is really good. There's a, there's a nod to Akira in there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's quite quite nice. Where he, yeah, he's basically um, taking up... Bruce takes on some, well, kind of biker punks. Mm-hmm. And basically jumps up on the bike in a kind of visual homage to um, <laughs> when Kaneda did it in um, in Akira. My own, to be honest, I love the movie. I'm going to get that out there straight away. But my only uh, criticism is how easily Andrea works out Batman is Bruce Wayne. Really? She does it straight away. She comes back to Gotham, goes, oh, hi, oh, you're Batman. Oh, you must be Bruce. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say that was that easy because, you know, she had gone away to mull it over for a bit. Right, so my boyfriend's getting beaten up, running around hitting people Mm. in the dark and seems to be looking at bats a lot. Okay. Oh, there's a big man running around in the dark looking like a bat. I reckon it might be Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad, but like she just finds him hanging around moodily next to his parents' grave and then goes, oh, well, that must be Bruce then. It's worse places to go on a date. Yeah, maybe he... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe he just shouldn't hang around in his Batman costume around his parents' grave. (laughs) That is a bit of a kicker, yeah. Yeah, just give it away, doesn't it? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, the, the whole flashback plot is a big part of it. The whole kind of like seeing him struggle between his commitment to his parents to avenge their death and like fight crime. Having Andrea turn up in his life and kind of fall in love with her and thinking maybe he might want to go a different way. Maybe he could he could give this this whole kind of commitment up and, you know, just just become a normal guy, as it were, and get married. Yeah, because uh, that tracks into like one of the best bits of it is when uh, as Bruce Wayne, Batman, is at the party uh, hanging around with uh, what can loosely be described as three exceptional bimbos. Yep, and just even the way they've animated the look of disgust on his own face of what he's having to do to keep mm-hmm. up the uh, his secret identity. Yeah, because they're even they're playing into that Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman's the actual person. Yeah, yeah, because he's he he's doing the Playboy thing, isn't he? Yeah, and but the, they've animated it so well, the look of disgust on what he's doing and what he's having to hang around with. Yeah, um, and then what he has to pretend to do is just fantastic. Mm. Um, I don't think any of the others have ever, you know, crossed that line and encapsulated that Batman really hates being Bruce Wayne. Mm. Even the Nolan ones didn't get that far. No, I mean, and this this that kind of segues quite nicely into the cast because um, Kevin Conroy, who plays um, Batman and Bruce Wayne, deliberately modulates his voice between the two characters. He has two different distinct voices for Batman and Bruce Wayne. Which is probably something he nicked off Michael Keaton, but it's still very good. <laughs> Michael Keaton didn't do too much, though. Yeah, but he did do it, and I think it was the first time 
someone had done that. Yeah. It's very distinct, though. It's very... There's like, almost like three personas, because he talks... I mean, Batman has a very, you know, dark, brooding, assertive voice, and then Bruce Wayne is so light and chipper. And then there's the way he talks to Alfred, which is just like... Not it's kind of a blend of the two. Like mm. sometimes he can talk to Alfred like also sarcastically and whatever. But then there's also like you know father son. I don't know how to describe it, but there there's like it's very clear distinctions in the way he speaks, and it really comes across in the performance that mm-hmm. the Batman hat is on, the Bruce Wayne hat is on. Like it's very distinct. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think. When he's Batman in front of Alfred, um, I think he does... Yeah, his voice is, is a bit different. I think maybe he's kind of switching between the two a bit, you know? Mm. So I can, I, you can imagine it gets confusing. Because <laughs> there's a beautiful bit where uh, him and Alfred are chatting away in the Batcave. Mm. And uh, Bruce kind of goes like, droppy child. Mm. Um, what is it? He goes... You think you know everything about me, don't you? Mm. And Alfred's response is just perfect. It's like, I diapered your bottom. I bloody well ought to, sir. <laughs> Alfred is fantastic. He really is. He's great. I can't remember who does Alfred's voice, but he's 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 really good. Um, it's someone junior. Galactosh is correct. It is someone junior. Actor... Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., in fact. Sadly now deceased, Ephraim had starring roles in the 1960s TV series 77 Sunset Strip and The FBI. He took over the role of Alfred Pennyworth from Clive Revel after just three episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Interestingly, he also voiced Dr. Octopus in the 90s Spider-Man Animated Series and Justin Hammer in the Iron Man Animated Series. Yeah, I love all the moments... In the flashbacks with Alfred and Bruce, whenever Andrea would appear and he would like be bringing them tea or something, yeah, and he was like, "Oh, um, I've got business elsewhere," or you know, <laughs> yeah, and he clearly wants Batman to be so Bruce to be happy. Yeah. Mm. Or he even says the lines that your parents would want you to be happy, sir. Yeah, yeah. and there's oh, and that's there's that really fantastic bit when so. Through the course of the flashbacks, we see him falling in love with Andrea and eventually he proposes to her and uh, they're going to get married, but then Andrea disappears mm-hmm. and uh, he decides, well, that's that then, I'm going to be Batman. And all this time he's been kind of trying to come up with a way to scare the the, the villains because th- you know the main problem is they're not scared of him when he's trying to uh, take them out. So he comes up with this Batman persona and he puts the mask on for the first time and the look of horror on um, Alfred's face. Yeah. He just goes, my God. <laughs> it's, 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 fant- it's really great. <laughs> you can see that he's absolutely taken aback by that transformation. Mm. Yeah, Alfred's great. Do, does anyone want to say anything more about Kevin Conroy before we move on to... Best Batman ever. That's my hot take. Yeah, yeah, no, no complaints here. I think he's great. He's up there with Adam West. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, he's so popular that he went on to voice Batman for over a decade, and and still does from time to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he still does every now and again in the Gotham, uh, uh, the Arkham uh, computer games. Mm. Yeah. Did it a few times. And he's he. I think he's the one actor that's played Batman the longest. 
I would say so. Has to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless you. Well, we, it would have been not quite true uh, if a Batgirl had come out. Mm. Oh yeah. And if the Flash ever does come out. Yeah. Technically, Michael Keaton would have been the longest running because mm. Keaton was doing it before Conroy and uh, would have been doing it after him. It's true. Yeah. Although it's less work, if you know what I mean. He's done done it less often. Yeah. But yeah, he would have done it longer. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, he hasn't put the hours in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we all agreed. I think Kevin Conroy is fantastic. Great, a great Batman. Great voice actor, and apparently a really great guy generally. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he, like, volunteered to cook for police officers during 9 11. Wow. Did the Batman voice while yeah. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Just his normal voice. <laughs> well, no, they, they, asked, they asked him to. Like, the cops asked him to. <laughs> no, if you've ever heard his real voice, it's not particularly Batman y. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even, yeah, his, yeah. even his Bruce Wayne voice isn't really Kevin Conroy's voice. No, no, it's not. I mean, it, he started his career in soap operas and on. On stage as well, like theatre. He played a closeted gay lawyer in um, Dynasty oh. with a big plot about him being outed or something. I mean, I I just briefly read about it. But yeah, he's done a lot of a lot of work on stage and stuff before he got the Batman gig. He even got to be in the um, the live action, uh, obviously the TV show as well, didn't he? He was yes, he was in that that Crisis on Earth's Flashpoint thing. Mm. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow? Well, it was the crossover between all of them. Oh, yeah. 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 He got to pop up in one of them as a a Kingdom Come-style Batman. Oh, yeah. Like having the full back brace on. Yeah. Yeah. I have read that he was in it, yeah. Great. So, if we move on to the the second, well, or possibly the most (laughs) important voice actor in Batman the Animated (laughs) Series and this movie, which is Mark Hamill. Who has said in the past, when he's offered roles in Batman stuff, he always asks, is Kevin doing it? So he's a big fan of Kevin Conroy as well. (laughs) Good man. But yeah, Mark Hamill plays the Joker and he is sublime. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of almost like the um, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker. Like like you can't really picture one without the other in like certain performances and with Batman and Joker. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm reading a comic, I hear Kevin Conroy's voice, mm-hmm. like, in my head, and then the Joker, it's just, it's always Mark Hamill. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work for certain versions of the Joker, but yes, I, 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 know what you, yeah. I know what you mean. The synergy between the two of them, like, it's just... Yeah, they're great. Well, I mean, again, this what they did with Batman the Animated Series and this movie is what they did with Beast Wars, which is where you have everybody in the studio together doing their lines mm-hmm. at each other. It just makes for a better performance than... Yeah. Uh, well, it's not, phone, it's not phoning it in, but they, they record their... A lot of TV shows, they, they record their voices separate. Mm. And you can tell most of the time, because there's nothing bouncing. There's no reaction. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's less ad-libbing. Like, ad-libbing in a cartoon is not the greatest thing. <laughs> no, because you've got to... only add six months onto the production schedule. Yeah, because you've, you've, you've got to lip-sync, haven't you? So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Batman. Yeah, when you get someone doing that, and they're just going, ah, oh, no, I don't like it today. <laughs> Sorry. Uh... Not a bad impression. So, yeah, um, so apparently um, Tim Curry had the job of Joker for a few episodes before he got bronchitis and yeah. um, Mark Hamill took over. Yeah. yeah. Is it because of it? Or that not happened yet? 
that would be way oh, that'd be long before that. Like, that was yeah. the late 80s. Yeah. But no, I mean, and I found this video the other day of um, of Tim Curry's version of the Joker, and it wasn't too dissimilar. I think Hamill based some of what he did on, on that. Oh, definitely you can hear mm. it. They, they sound very vocally similar. Mm. But one of them's got more of a, a, a monstrous edge, whereas the other's got more of a psychotic edge. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Kevin Conroy says in that video that Tim was wonderful. Tim was crazy, scary. And Mark was crazy, funny, and scary. <laughs> yeah. Mark Hamill has more of the uh, true psychopath mm. about him, whereas uh, Tim Curry's one sounded more like, a, yep, you could believe this is going to be a serial killer any second. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's quite unhinged. The, the, the character is in general, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. He could describe the Joker as unhinged. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, apparently he's hypersan. He's hypersane. So mm. that's a, that's a very dig deep into the uh, Frank Miller comics. Sorry. Yeah. Or was that Arkham's? Or was that Grant Morrison's hypersanity? One of them. I don't know. It all 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 blends into one, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was a detour. <laughs> I love I love his introduction uh, in the film as this whole. He's showing is it Sal. This is the closest any of us get to naming the crime bosses at the centre of this story, so let's take a moment to do that now. They are Chucky Sol, died in his car, Buzz Bronski, buried under a gravestone, and perhaps most importantly, Salvatore, or Sal, the Weezer, Valestra. Dave is speaking about the latter, who is maybe the most pertinent to the story, as it was Valestra that Andrea's father, Carl Beaumont, was embezzling money from, and was later forced to pay back with interest which led to he and Andrea going on the run. Around the world of tomorrow, future place, mm-hmm. taking him around the house and, you know, oh, this is my lovely wife. Um, you know, meatloaf again. What? I had it for lunch. You know, just all these little characters. <laughs> <he's doing> this. <laughs> yeah, he's basically set up in the old world of tomorrow, hasn't he, for some yeah, reason? Just... <laughs> well, the Joker... Un- un- Abandoned theme parks, abandoned attractions. Yeah, he's always in them. Abandoned <laughs> joke shops. They're his faves. Yeah, they are, aren't they? You'll never see him in an abandoned library. No, no, no. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, circuses, amusement parks, things that you generally yeah, associate with a clown, basically. Mm. Yeah. Apparently Hamill was the biggest fan of Batman on the cast. Unsurprising. He really wanted the role. Apparently, before the audition, he was given a note saying, don't do Nicholson. <laughs> I believe that's a, that's a note given to a lot of Hollywood actresses at the time. Well. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, that should be cut. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> yeah, because well, obviously the Nicholson Joker had... It was still fresh in people's memories. I mean, mm. Batman Returns had been on not so long ago, had it, really? Or had it even been out yet? When did it come out? Was it 92? It'd be about a year old. Yeah. Yeah, 92. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. And obviously Batman, not 89. So, everyone remembers Jack Nicholson's version. So, in the story, we find out that um, the Joker used to... Before the accident, before he became the Joker, he um, worked as a mob enforcer. And his name was Jack. So I'm not. It's probably Jack Napier. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So there's there is some synergy there, but yeah, Mark Hamill's Joker is very different to Jack Nicholson's Joker. 
Yeah, well, I think Jack Nicholson could be Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> no one be that would that wouldn't even pull off in a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, I I, I really like Jack Nicholson's Joker, but yeah, it is very much Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But um, other things about the movie I noticed, I noticed they managed to get all of Batman's vehicles in. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's like those toy opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we could talk about that. There weren't actually that many toys related to this movie. No. But obviously there was a massive Batman the Animated Series toy line. So, mm. you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's got his Batmobile, his Batwing, and his Batbike all make an appearance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because. And, and the Batbike is just kind of chucked in there at the end. Like, <laughs> how are we going to get him to turn up here? Well, we'll have him on his bike. Why not? Yeah. So, oh. so, yeah. And no Robin, which is also, I think, mm-hmm. a good thing. It's also great. Yeah. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Robin. <laughs> Robin doesn't work in Dark Batman. Mm. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to go for the darker edge of Batman, Robin does, doesn't does really work. Yeah, he's a bit... He seems out of place, doesn't he? Yeah. When we're talking about Robin, are we talking just about Dick Grayson's Robin? Any Robin, really. Any of them. Pick a Robin. I mean, you can talk about Damian Wayne, but he didn't even exist yet, for a start. No. Well, I would have well, I... thought... Although technically in the comics, we are getting into about the point in time we would be conceived because uh, 93 would be when uh, <laughs> uh, Nightfall Night Quest was happening, yes. which is where uh, Batman did uh, have a dalliance with Talia al Ghul yes. uh, while he was trying to regain his uh, prowess, mm. yes. so to speak. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so we are right in the realm of uh, the conception of Damian Wayne. Well, I think at the time, wasn't Tim Robin at the time in the comics? Uh, yeah, because yeah. uh, year three would have been uh, eight, uh, 1989. So yeah, it'd be Tim Drake at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Robin from Batman Animated Series, even though he is Dick Grayson, his, his costume is very Tim Drakey. It is. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. The original Robin costume would not translate to anything past 1966. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> On telly. <laughs> yeah, it looks like someone's turned up in the swimming costume. Mm-hmm. It's the pixie shoes. That's uh, it's... yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Well, like Latos is saying, it doesn't translate well to darker Batman because it just looks. It's such a ridiculous costume. I mean, that's why. I mean, I I get what you guys are saying, but I think. Oh, I mean, this is. We'll, we'll talk about other Batman films later, but I think Robin works in a dark Batman story because of Return of the Joker. Oh, what the direct-to-video movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Batman Beyond. Yep. Sorry, Batman of the Future. Batman of the Future. <laughs> yeah. Again, though, I mean, yes, maybe I should also stipulate that it's even more difficult to work in live action than it is in, car- in cartoon form in animated. Oh yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't work in live action because they were going to have a, a Robin in. Batman Returns, right? And then he kind of got yeah. acts from that film as well. It was going to be one of the Whalen brothers. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was. He got he got paid for it as well. Really? Uh, yeah, because he was cast the whole thing. They just went, nah, we're not going to have Robin. And he, got, he still got paid for it. I can't remember which Whalen brother it was. We are way off topic here, but Dave and Galactosh are correct. Apparently it was Marlon Whalen that was originally cast as Robin in Tim Burton's Batman Returns before he got axed. Apparently this was due to the producers feeling there were too many characters in the movie. Burton did plan to bring him in in Batman Forever, 
but a switch of director to Joel Schumacher saw Chris O'Donnell cast in a role instead. Yeah, I, I don't know who the Whalen brothers are, actually. Uh, that You know them from Scream. and No, not Scream. Uh, scary movie. Scary movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so no Robin. Fine. Don't need it. I think the inclusion of, of Joker was a good idea, to be honest. I think it works. Yeah. It gives a big punch. Mm. It's, it plays nicely into, well, we all know the Joker's Batman's biggest villain. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have Joker and Batman on the same page for once. Mm-hmm. Both of them are, don't really want the Phantasm around and they want to stop him. Different reasons, but... Yeah. Although it's very much a kind of dichotomy between the Phantasm and Batman. I mean, they're both angels yeah. of vengeance. Just go about it in different ways. I like the um, the when um, Batman figures out that it's the Joker and he just happens to have a red pencil or <laughs> pen yeah, on just, his desk. Just draws a big <laughs> smile on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, massive... Detective work at his finest. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as good as... Um, Working out how people put carpets down, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Only hardcore viewers are going to get that. uh, (laughs) Anyone who's watched that movie probably spends the entire movie not realising it's a a carpet tool. It was nice to have the, um, the police force. Mm-hmm. People, Bullock, um, having his little flashback as well, seeing him as a rookie cop yeah. in the flashback, and his being leading the pursuit of him in the police chase, the other district attorney person guy. I forget his real name, but isn't he the guy who's in Die Hard? What? And he's also in Supergirl? Um, what, the actor? The actor, not the, the character, but the person who plays... Harvey Dent. No. That he's the district attorney. The other guy, the guy who's after Andrea. I oh, the councilman. The councilman. The councilman. Yes, him. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know. Is he? Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. Take my word for it. <laughs> Good luck for him. <laughs> All too often, Dave has led us down misheard, half-remembered, half-imagined, rumour-ridden rabbit holes. So forgive me if I fact-check him. As devoid of detail as his account is, he is actually correct. Councilman Arthur Reeves was played by Hart Butchner, who was in Die Hard. Comes up a lot, doesn't it? In it, he played Harry Ellis, the sleazy Nakatomi executive that tries to negotiate with Hans Gruber. It doesn't go well. Yes, he was also in Supergirl, if that matters to anyone other than Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think the voice cast are great. I mean, I think the the woman who plays Andrea is, she's from... Uh, Donna Delaney. Yeah, she's been in loads of stuff, like uh, Desperate Housewives and so on. And mm. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's pretty she good. She was in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Well, she, she's been in loads of stuff. Yeah. If you look on an IMDb, it's it's massive. Mm. She's a long-established actress. Mm. Um, she was kind of like the biggest name in this film. Yeah, other than Mark Hamill, I Maybe guess. Maybe Hamill was, but... Yeah. Oh, where else was she? She was in Tombstone. Mm. And uh, other things like that. Back in the 90s, she was in a lot of stuff. But she, just looking at her IMDb, she's been in a lot of stuff since. So, I mean, we, we did kind of briefly talk about the animation. It's very much the same kind of pretty good... Well, I mean, the, the level of animation in the in the 
in the TV series was great anyway, so it does translate okay. Oh, it's no worse than the TV series was at all. It's just not an exceptional step up. No, it's it's kind of like consistently, well, mostly consistently top level TV series stuff, but yeah. not past that. Although there are some really, like we mentioned before, some really great set pieces that are really great, like yeah. like the rooftop chase and the uh, the final fight in the miniature Gotham and on the, mm. and the jetpack scene. That's <laughs> that's really good. Actually, I was watching, um, I think I sent both of you this, a little kind of um, documentary on the making of Batman the Animated Series. I didn't realise that um, one of the reasons it looks the way it does is because when Eric um, Bradomsky was um, was doing the backgrounds, he chose to draw on black paper rather than white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just gives that kind of darker tone and it makes the met- Gotham look like a sprawling metropolis with, with little effort. Yeah, It's a really interesting art style to to use in in something like uh backgrounds for an animation where like it's completely the opposite in every other instance but the way they ha- capture light on the black paper is mm. it's incredible because they it was it was just one of the rules they had when they started out the cartoon was that no mm. batman in the, you do not get batman in daylight mm. Mm. so if you're going to have batman in it it's it can't rule. be daylight <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean that that series itself, and and therefore by extension the movies, it's very distinct from a lot of stuff that was out at the time. Yeah, it's got a lot of the Mac, the older Max Fleischer cartoons mm. about his style. It has. Yeah, I think they I think they did mention it when they were talking about developing it that they took a lot of inspiration yeah. from that. And it's, it's lots, and it's very kind of nineteen forties gothic noir. Yeah, kind of film noir kind of stuff in there that. that because it, even though you don't know exactly what what year it is when it's when it's happening, it definitely looks like it's kind of it's got this kind of forties feel, even though it's obviously yeah. not in the forties. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the, it's everything. It's all the the buildings, the cars, the the way that people dress. It's, it's it, the style. It's even the um, even the title cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is really Art Deco. Well, it's gone for a timeless look, hasn't it? Mm, it's like well if it's already dated it Mm. can't be dated yeah whereas you look at some of the other stuff that was out at the time and it's it's it is more dated because it was trying to be current you know what i mean because it's even little things if you look at like radio sets if if you go into a room and there's a radio set in there like they all have radio sets they rarely have a television Mm. but it's like a nice 1930s wooden big radio set in the corner yeah yeah. So everything is just like dated. Yeah. And it, it also makes Batman's gadgets look all the more impressive. Yeah. It does, yeah. Because he's got massive TV screens and uh, <laughs> this, this amazing car, which we do get a kind of idea where the car came from, from this movie, because he... Oh, uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it goes to the world of tomorrow <laughs> and they're, they're, they're showing off a car that looks very much like the Batmobile. I love that he just stops talking... And walks away from Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pretty cars. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. So it's a nice little kind of like you can see all, through all those flashbacks. You can see him coming up with the identity of Batman, uh, which is really quite nice. Yeah, and it, and like I say, like we said before, it harks back to Year One. Which have you read Year One, Dave? Um, I have read a year one. I don't know. A, if it's a, a year, year one? one. There's only one year one. 
Oh, well, then I've read it then, yeah. <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> You're not going to say that you've, you've read the novelisation of The Batman and thought that was year one? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have read, I've read year one. I always thought it was the storyline that they've redone many times. Maybe I've not read the right one. But... Oh, I mean, they've, they've probably... Um... It probably harkened back to it loads of times in the yeah. comics, but the but year one itself is is year one, like it's yeah. the Frag, okay. Frag Miller uh, original. It itself was just uh, tying up and mopping up what had come before it as well, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. And just making it nicely packaged as opposed to uh, chaotic, like everything, everything DC <laughs> from the eighties before. Yeah, and that bit where he takes on those criminals with the ski mask and all that—that's really. Like kind of ripped from the pages of year yeah. one. It's almost exactly in the same way that uh, the intro to Watchmen, um, the film, mm. is panel for panel, shot for shot, the same as the comic and the film. Yeah. And the same happens here with year one and uh, that Master of Phantasm. Well, not a lot of that movie and a lot of other, I think I'd say, what is it? Um, Sin City as well does that yeah. kind of thing where they kind of very much try to stick to the, yeah. almost too much to the original yeah, and in way in a way slightly miss the point by doing so. Way too reverential. <laughs> but, yeah, but this this is nice reverential. This is this yeah. is a good kind of happy medium between the two. This cartoon does some heavy lifting in the Batman uh, mythos. Mm. It does some nice creation work on its way. Yeah, it fills in gaps that you might have wondered about whilst watching the TV series. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. It's it's really good. It's really complimentary to. The, the TV series, which is brilliant, because it stands on its own as a movie that, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm sure many people who went to see it, if they did go to see it, um, we'll get on to how many went to pe- people went to see it later. <laughs> I'm sure some of the people wouldn't have seen the TV series because it's a kid's cartoon. Yeah. But they might have gone to see the movie because their kids wanted to go see it or whatever. Um, yeah. But it stands alone in its own thing, but it also kind of nicely slots in between season one and season two of the... Um, of the TV show, and it fills in gaps with the flashback. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's perfect at what it's trying to do. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Is there anything else anyone would like to say about the movie that we haven't covered? Only a bit about, it does show a nice little look into uh, Bruce's uh, self-doubt and schizophrenia slightly. Like He flip-flops in this mm. whole film. Like, him becoming Batman seems to have been on a knife edge. All it could have took was a good day. Yeah. Mm. One good day, just before he decided to be Batman, that Batman would never have happened. Mm. And the film does a really good way of portraying that, as well as, like I said earlier, Bruce's disgust at what Bruce Wayne is, just to keep Batman safe. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so, really... Andrea's about as responsible for Batman as anyone else, really. She's yeah. if she hadn't, if she hadn't have had to run away, because we don't think we really covered it in your uh, rundown of the plot, Dave. But mm-hmm. basically, she discovers that her dad has been embezzling money for the mob, and the mob want the money. They're basically going after him. So him and um, him and Andrea have to run away. So that's why she leaves. But obviously she doesn't tell Bruce why she's left because, you know, they have to hide. Councilman Reeves worked as his lawyer and he basically sold them out to the mob. Yeah. And the Joker, or 
Jack at the time, tracked them down and murdered her father. Or at least that's what's implied that has happened. Yes, it's heavily implied, yeah. Mm. yeah. And that's why she becomes the Phantasm and she comes back to Gotham to wreak revenge on those who uh, killed her father. And show Bruce, this is exactly how you do it when your parents are killed by madmen. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, exactly. There's really there's a big kind of like parallels, which is you know strange because you know if they've stayed together, they both would have gone a different in a different direction. I think that she um she had she had a really good plan to be honest, and I and I almost like that the movie doesn't really address or talk about how she does it either. Like um, well, there's never a mention of like how she's making these smoke um shadows or how she teleports or any of that stuff but it's not teleports like, i don't think know, she like, teleports oh well just appears <laughs> and disappears to avoid gunshots i don't, I don't like i don't know how she does all of that like well, same when batman does it they're using the same tricks yeah well whatever it is it's like i'm glad that they don't explain it yeah there's no need sense. i don't yeah it's not needed and it, I, I like the extra mystery around her origin of how she became this killer mm. while she was away so I, I kind of like that about it I don't need to know every single thing of which ancient master she learns smoke disappearing from or whatever well <laughs> it, it, she's she's a great female character isn't she like she's yeah. she's a she she can stand toe to toe with Batman you know like she, even even right at the beginning like when they're courting and he's like practicing um jujitsu and she oh, yeah. she takes she takes him down <laughs> that's great she's not she's never portrayed as like a damsel in distress really yeah. no yeah yeah no which is very good very good for the time <laughs> well we touched on it before the score i think we're all agreed that it's a it's a fantastic score written by shirley walker who was the main composer on batman the animated series draws quite heavily on kind of danny elfman stuff from the 89 movie yeah Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Elfman was originally asked by Bruce Tim to do the theme tune and the, the score for Batman the Animated Series, and he turned it down. But later, changed his mind. Um, <laughs> and in in that time, Shirley had come up with her own theme, and then because Elfman came back, the original theme for Series One was the Elfman was like a redone version of the Elfman theme to. Tim Burton Batman hmm. and her theme tune got used on the second season in the end oh, did it? Okay. yeah but she still she still did most pretty much all of the score on the TV series and the um, the movie definitely the movie the movie is all her it's great it's really good it's a variation on on what she did on the TV series with that extra um, choir stuff going on it's a uh, very um almost biblical um mm. some of it it's uh it's it's, a, it's actually own, i actually own it I, I i went out and bought it when i first came across the film really i, oh. I had to listen to, i had to listen to it I just, mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean it's it, it's great um apparently the the, the choir stuff apparently that's because like it sounds like um latin or something but it's actually apparently the names of very important people at Warner Brothers at the time sung backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> that sounds like a mandate from head office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to be in this film. We've got you in this film, sir. Where am I? You're in the intro. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I did actually listen to some of it um, the other day just to re- remind myself of like, because obviously you hear it during the movie, but I like, listen to it, listen to it on its own a bit. Uh, like it's, it's like really kind of orchestral, kind of uh, rolling kettle drums, horns, strings, so on. Very moody, very in keeping with the kind of forties film noir thing that they've mm. got going on. It's the one thing I wish they would have touched on a bit more in the, that making of the film thing. Like they talk about her for a little bit and then it's like, well, we didn't see how it all came together. It's only about 20 minutes long, isn't it? Yes, yeah, a very short behind the scenes thing. Not enough time to, <laughs> to talk about everything in full length, you know. But yeah, no, no, she's great. And apparently she's, um, I'm, well, sadly she's dead now. Um, oh, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she contributed to the scores for loads of the um, DC animated universe stuff, like obviously Batman, the animated series, and then on to the new adventure or the new Batman adventure, sorry, then Batman Beyond and also uh, Superman, the animated series. So she did a lot of work for Warner Brothers. She worked on almost everything they did in the 90s. <laughs> very, very prolific. That's a good CV to have. Uh... Mm, yeah, yeah there's loads of great stuff. Don't know if there's anything else to say about it, to be honest. No. Other than, other than it's fantastic. Um, what more yeah. can you say? None of us are trying to pull it apart. Uh, no. No, there's, there's nothing that doesn't work. Yeah. See, it's a problem with punk podcasts when everyone agrees on the same thing. Yeah, it's ace. It's annoying, isn't it? All right. Well, we're gonna okay, get, moving on. We're going to get to the disagreement soon. Yeah. Excellent. So I suppose, now we've kind of gone through all the, uh, well, everything, most of things, I suppose we just talk about how much do you love this movie, Dave? Um, a lot. (laughs) 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 I feel like there's a follow-up question, surely, but yeah. Uh, What what, what do you think of it? What's your verdict on the movie? I, I mean, what, you want to put a scale on it, a rating? Well, we can do that later, but like, but what, what, what are the best things about it? Are there any, any things you don't like about it? And what do you like about it? Um, I, the only thing I don't like about the film, and it's only on re-watching this I found out, I'm not a big fan of the end credit song. That's as, that's as bad as, as tough as I can be on it. I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> it's the most random song. Yeah, that's one of the things that jumped out at me. It's like, this, <laughs> this, this could be over any 90s film at the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. No, it. Who is it that does it? I don't even know who does it, but it's. It sounds like kind of nineties Janet Jackson or something. It's so out of place. It's, I mean, and from my in my mind, head, I thought it was just that that theme that continues on continues on through the credits, but it's not. It's some other random song. Yeah. The end credit song is called "I Never Even Told You" and was written by. Sidal Garrett and Glenn Ballard. The former, a singer and songwriter who also performed backing vocals for, among others, Michael Jackson, and the latter, a songwriter, lyricist and record producer known for his work with, you guessed it, Michael Jackson, and many others. It was performed by Tia Carrera 
a singer, actor and former model. She's probably most famous for playing love interest Cassandra Wong in Wayne's World. I think it's a good, um, like if someone didn't want to watch, sit down and watch all the animated series or something, and they wanted us like a stepping point, you could watch this and it would just slot in fine. Like you could show this to a child, you could show this to an adult. I think it's a good mm. film of that era of animation or the 90s to show someone. Yeah, I think it's a really good film. Yeah, yeah. Galactosh? Yeah, totally agree. Because what you got to remember is the uh, Batman films we were getting at the time weren't for kids. No. Mm. This is this is one children can access the same world. Because mm. <laughs> over here, uh, they were 12, Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah. So you only, wouldn't get any younger children seeing it, but this is the one they can see. And it's got the same feel, it's got the same world sort of thing going on. Yeah. But it's easily accessible. So mm-hmm. it does the job perfectly. Yeah. I think it yeah, I think tonally it's absolutely perfect. And it's yeah, it, it looks great. It fits in obviously perfectly with the T V series and it it gives anybody who's unfamiliar with the character a really good kind of starting point. And has a compelling story with a nice twist that you don't necessarily see coming. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems obvious now that Andrea <laughs> is the, uh, the, re- the, the not Reaper, sorry, the Phantasm. <laughs> but it's not completely obvious first time, on first watching, I'm sure. Um, voice acting's impeccable. Yeah. I've, I've got no complaints. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it enriches the Batman franchise, the series, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving gives Bruce and the Joker new depths as well. Like it's yeah, yeah. Can't fault, can't fault it really. Even the animation is pretty damn great. I've seen much worse animated movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right, so this is something uh, Galactosh asked us to do. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is place place this movie in relation to. Now, maybe we can't do all Batman movies because there's a lot, but like in relation to all theatrical releases, I guess. All, all films released at the cinema, I think, would be perfect. Yeah, fair. yeah. So, mm-hmm. Dave, where would you place Mask of the Phantasm when it comes to your favourite Batman movies? Do you want my list or do you just want where I place it? Yeah, would you, well, go, but either or, both. Go ahead. Okay, I did 10, 10 broke it down into 10 spots. Um, number 10, it was quick fire, Dark Knight <laughs> Rises. Right. I'm um, not a big fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number nine, this, just all of Ben Affleck's Batman, Snyderverse, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> just Batfleck. Yeah. Batfleck. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, need I say more? I'm surprised it's that high up on anyone's yeah. list, sorry. Um, <laughs> seven. Batman Forever slash Batman 66. Right. Have you seen a Batman film? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Come on. Oh. Um, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. The Batman. Ooh. Batman 89. Batman Returns. Um, top three now. Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Number two. Return of the Joker. Uh, number three, Master of the Fan- Number one, Master of the Phantasm. Well, Return of the Joker wasn't a theatrical release, so we can dump that one. 
No. Yeah, that cuts out with it. It is fantastic, but it didn't come out of the cinema. Yeah. Interesting that you place the Batman so high. Emo. Also, um, that you placed Dark Knight above Begins, in my opinion. But anyway, Galactosh, would you like to tell us where you place it? Well, I'd, I'd, it's in my top three. Mm. It's definitely up there. Um, the Batman's down at number 10. It's, well, it's, it's on a joint 10th <laughs> with Batman and Robin. Because mm-hmm. any 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 Batman and Robin that's above anything other Batman film is uh, means that you're intrinsically wrong. It's just my <laughs> hot take on that. And after that, nothing you say can be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your top three? My top three would be: I put Marvel's of the Phantasm at number three. Mm-hmm. I'd put Batman Six Six at number one. Mm. And my number two keeps changing, depending on which film I'm watching mm-hmm. at the time. But The Dark Knight is not in my top three. It's long. It's bloated. It doesn't get to the point. I'd say Dark Knight Rises is better than Dark Knight. Really? Wow. But Batman Begins is generally in my top three. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises has got a better plot. It's more structured. It flows better. Uh, it doesn't feel like they've tacked on an extra an extra act because the... Uh, one of the main actors has died, so they've got to try and get it all into one. So it would be Phantasm Begins. All right. Yeah, my litmus test for the Dark Knight movies was whether my other half fell asleep during them. And, uh, <laughs> Does that mean they're a good thing or a bad thing you did? It's a, I, we were watching, we went to the cinema to see Dark Knight Rises, and I turned to her and she was asleep, and I thought, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean my, my list so I mean I've, I've just listed the ones I've seen because I've not seen all of them I have never seen Batman and Robin really wow keep it that way I've seen <laughs> bits of it I've seen bits of it but I've never watched it beginning to end because it looks terrible everyone says it's terrible why should I bother wasting my time on it so at the bottom of my list the very bottom of my list is Batman versus Superman if we count that as a Batman movie okay because it's awful. Yeah. This just shows you haven't seen Batman and Robin. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yes. But but what's what, what is redeemable about it is if you watch it as a comedy, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> then The Batman, which is the most boring Batman movie ever made by anybody ever. Long, dull. I almost fell asleep watching it. I wanted, I, I wanted it to be over a lot. Uh, I was hoping it was over. It wasn't. It kept going on and on and on and on. It's, I mean, aside from the occasional set piece that's quite good, it's just dull. I watched it at home and did a jigsaw instead. Mm. That's how exciting <laughs> it was. I sat there with it you on while like... doing a jigsaw. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know that Dave places it much high, highly. I, I, I don't know why. It's just horribly derivative and dull. And it's like, do we nearly need more? You know, grim, dark Batman. More of it? No, we don't. Do we need emo bats? No, no, <laughs> no. So then above that, I put Rises. I think Rises is a better movie than the Batman. Um, I think. Then above that, I put Forever. I actually quite like Forever. 
It's I, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fairly fun. It's a fun. It's a fun film. It's it's <laughs> probably the best of the Schumacher ones. Oh, easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've always got I've always 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 had a soft spot for Val Kilmer, so I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's great. So yeah, Dark Knight comes above that. Um, I like the Dark Knight, but I agree with a lot of Galactosh's criticisms. It is overly long and 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 overly pompous and important. And that's just Christopher Nolan films, though. Isn't yeah, it? I don't you see. I don't like. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really a big fan of the Nolan movies. Really, I. <laughs> As with each one, it became less and less a Batman movie and more a Nolan movie. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so then above that is Begins. I really quite like Begins. It's definitely the better of the Nolan ones, uh, the best of the Nolan ones, in my opinion, because it's, it's the one that's most closely related to Batman. <laughs> I'm, okay, yes, Heath Ledger is great in Dark Knight, but aside from that, if you take that out of it, it's not that great a movie. And the plot doesn't make sense if you really want to go into it. But Yeah, yeah. So then, above that, I put Batman the movie, a.k.a. Batman 66. Mm-hmm. We're into my top three now. Number two, it, these two switch, one and two switch, and there's three movies here, because I can't, I can't <laughs> separate 89 and Returns. I think they're both brilliant. So... On a, on any particular day, these two could switch. Mask of the Phantasm is definitely number one or number two, and eighty nine slash returns is number one or number two, in my opinion. Yeah. So there we go. So uh, so I mean, uh, Galactosh. I think the reason you wanted to do this because you were you were you had a f- sneaking suspicion Dave would put the Batman quite high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, honestly, that's that's why I thought it might come up. I want I wanted to see how kids today. <laughs> Reacted to the worst Batman film <laughs> since Batman and Robin. Yeah, um, not... see, like this is this is why I have such um, this is why it's good because m- me and Orion have such a different opinion on things because obviously because of our ages, but just when we were exposed to things, it's dramatically different. Yeah, and I grew up with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. and for the longest time that was. Batman films to me until like I got older and everyone was like, no one likes these films and I wonder why. And mm-hmm. I went back and watched them. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, not, it's not a soft pop, well, soft pop for forever. But Batman and Robin, yeah, it, it's it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'll defend Batman and Forever. That's not a bad film. It's yeah. not a fantastic film, but it's not a bad film. No, I I, yeah. I like it. Batman and Robin though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big toy commercial. I'll see you when hell freezes over. <laughs> Ice to see you. So bad. I mean, like I, I like I say, I haven't watched it all the way through, so I couldn't put it in my list. But the the stuff that I've seen, it's so bad. It just looked appalling from the, the moment it was even it was like announced. Yeah. The, the casting, the all of it. Oh, no. When George Clooney gets his back credit card out. Oh, Christ. Christ almighty. (laughs) Even the whole bit where they're stealing the vault. Oh, oh, is that Batman Forever? No, they're stealing Mm -hmm. the vault and it's... Oh, it's acid! And it's sort of ridiculous overacting. (laughs) And the bat nipples. Mm Mm-hmm. They did make an appearance in Forever as well, I think. Yeah. No, there was the bat butt in Forever. It was forgotten. (laughs) 
I think Val Kilmer had bat nipples as well. Oh, but it wasn't a ma- there wasn't a massive close up of the bat nipples. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> and it's a neon nightmare. Yeah, I, I, I know what Schumacher. I think Schumacher was trying to channel the original sixty series. Yes. Yeah. But it's not working. It's yeah. not working. No, because the, the original sixty six knew it wasn't. They they did it with a wink and a nod mm. and a nudge. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. They were trying to do it on two levels. And they did it with Adam West. Yeah. And Adam West's performance is fantastic. They they did it on t- they played it straight. Mm. Whereas Batman and Robin does not play it straight. Yeah. It's it's played with winks. That's a really good point, actually. It's literal winks to the camera. The villains really play up to it. Like I think that's why I kind of have it in the same headspace. It's just like the villains are so wacky and you have Jim Carrey going over the top being the Riddler. He was good. He was around. good. Like, I, it's, just in the, it's the same headspace for me of just like wacky villains. Um, but the, it's, the, it's the Batman and Robin side of it. Apparently he was so good, Tommy Lee Jones nearly killed him. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, well, Jim Carrey was pretty much staying in character all the time and he, Tommy he, Lee Jones could not oh, yeah, stand it. Yeah, he really hates it. He does that a lot though, doesn't he, Jim Carrey? <laughs> I don't know whether you've watched yeah. um, that documentary about um when he was making the Andy Kaufman movie. Yes, I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey was it was in character on set the ent- the entire time and everyone fucking hated him. <laughs> Considering he was playing a bit of an arsehole to start with. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just to keep going at that non stop. Even Andy Kaufman took time off. And just disappeared from life. Yeah. Whereas Jim Carrey just did, uh, what can I do to annoy you today? Yeah. He drove everyone mad, but it might have actually improved the movie because everyone actually did hate him. So it comes across in the movie. But yeah, um, general consensus is that, uh, that, that Mask is high in the list anyway. So that's good to know. Yeah. I think it'll be crazy to place it lower than number three. Oh, yeah. It's just, I mean, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to justify it any lower. Yeah. But unfortunately, it didn't do very well at the box office. Um, mm. I wonder if being released on Christmas Day would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Or not telling anybody about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was badly, it was badly marketed, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it cost $6 million to make. It only grossed just under $6 million in the box office. It was five million seven hundred something. Oh, sorry, seven hundred thousand or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The filmmakers did blame Warner Brothers for a bad car- bad marketing campaign and rushing the production as well because they they you know they they sprung it on them and went oh we're going to put this in the cinema and it's like well what okay mm. yeah. but I mean it's still despite the fact it didn't do very well in the box office it made its money back on home. Home, home release, as it were. And the critics liked it as well, didn't they? It wasn't like the critics didn't yeah. like it. It was... Uh, Roger Ebert loved mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to get, to get his praise was kind of like... It's incredibly difficult, isn't it? Yeah. And it, well, yeah, I mean, it, it has very, very few poor reviews. And the ones that I've read, I just don't agree with them. <laughs> they just don't make any sense to me. <laughs> Stuff about the voice acting being flat. What? It's like, what? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I suppose you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> well, 
what was it not recorded in Dolby surround sound? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but I mean, it, it was it was nominated for an Annie Award in the Best Animated Feature category. Unfortunately, it lost to The Lion King. Oh. Mm. Tragic, really. <laughs> I mean, it was it was up there. The, the three movies that were nominated though were all very good movies. I mean, you had this Lion King. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Lion King, but I recognise it's a good movie. And The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, they're all fantastic, so it's a tough competition, really. Isn't isn't um isn't there a count from like Mark Hamill saying that he went to go see it um with his family and you know, try to do it as you do as a celeb undercover. Mm. Um but he said that there was so little people in the cinema that he was fine sitting with the fans and encouraged them to come sit next to him. <laughs> and they actually recognised who he was. There was really die-hard Batman fans there. So they were like, oh, it's, it's, it's the Joker. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that's true, because that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll send you... Yeah, you found, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you read it somewhere. Yes, yeah. it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, I mean, he was, he was really on board with the whole thing in a fantastic way. Mm. Seeing him in, like, some of the footage of him in the the studio doing the voices. He really was well into it. it was great. Really great. Yeah. Um, he's, a fan, he's a fantastic voice actor, isn't he? So, Oh, Mark Hamill just comes across as the ultimate fanboy. Mm. <laughs> no matter what he does, he just seems to come across that he always just loves his fans. Mm-hmm. Mm. He, and he, he loves doing what he's doing. He just, he, he comes across as one of those people who's just really grateful for what they got and how they got there. Yeah. yeah. You, you never, never get any of this pretentiousness out of him. Yeah, but he's also not backwards in coming forwards when he hasn't liked something. Oh, yeah. But that's a whole different po- podcast on that's Star Wars. That's a whole different podcast. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was massively loved by people. I mean, kind of its legacy is more important than its performance in the box office. I mean, people love it now and it's it's kind of, I don't know if you call it a cult classic, but like, it's highly thought of as an anim- as an anime as an animated movie in its own right and a superhero film mm-hmm. features in a lot of sorts of top twenty five, top twenty, top fifty, yeah. top hundred lists. Many people name it as their favorite Batman movie, like we did. It's because mm-hmm. hindsight's a wonderful thing, mm. and what one of the best things that has helped its legacy is what followed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Batman films after it, it's like, well, why can't they all be like this? Mm. This came out; it was good. Yeah, I mean, the animated movies that came out after it, some of them were good. Yeah. I thought Sub-Zero was quite good. Yeah, Return of the Joker was fantastic. Mm, yeah. Absolutely loved that film. Mystery of the, Mystery of the Batwoman, um, maybe not as high a calibre. No. Well, yeah, that came out a lot later, didn't it? But when you're talking about the modern Warner Brothers releases, all they're literally doing is uh, animating a cartoon. A comic, I mean. Mm. Of course they're animating oh, a cartoon. Well, yeah. the yeah. Ones, yeah. They're just literally yeah. taking, all right, here's a comic run we're gonna do that that's all warner brothers have done with their dc line since they started redoing them like what 15 years ago now. yeah to varying degrees of success yeah <laughs> like that don't watch their killing joke oh god oh, yeah don't watch that i've never watched it but i yeah it, it, i nearly did the other day actually so yeah <laughs> they've added half a film that is not in the comics really yeah i, mean, I thought they're i thought they're adaptations of year one and um Dark Knight Returns were quite good. Yeah, I'll give you them. But um, yeah, killing joke. Avoid. Don't don't go near it. <laughs> yeah. Not unless you want to know about uh, Bruce and Barbara's affair. 
I mean, why the hell would you make an animated movie out of that comic book? Well, that's a good point to start with. <laughs> It's just like crazy. It's like it's incredibly dark, incredibly adult. Uh, to make an anime, yeah, didn't that get a theatrical release as well? Actually, didn't it? Like they pushed, like I don't think it. Did. I don't. Not think over so. here. I think it was only like one of those special viewing things. Like it was only in the cinema for like a day. Oh, well, maybe yeah, here. maybe. Oh, it might have been. The Prince Charles does things like that every now and again. Yeah. So I can't see why. Yeah, but not not like a proper theatrical release, no, like no. nationwide kind of thing. No, no. Yeah. There was a follow-up Batman the Animated Series movie, which was weirdly called Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. I don't know why they had to stick yeah. and Mr. Freeze, but, you know. Well, they did another one with Penguin as well, so yeah. I don't know if it was just to try and uh, distinguish it from that. But that was that was pretty good. I quite liked that. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as Mask of the Phantasm, but what is? But again, these were direct to video so they don't come in our list earlier because they weren't theatrical <laughs> releases. They just what are what they were. I think because I think because Mask did so badly at the box office, they were like, "No, we're not doing that again." Yeah. <laughs> then there was a Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, which we've just spoken about. It is good. It is very good. Mm-hmm. It replaced. There was meant to be a third Batman the animated series movie called Batman Arkham, but that just didn't happen for some reason, mm. uh, and was replaced by the Batman Beyond movie. Um, this is something we should definitely talk about because we've had this discussion, all three of us. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> Dave, you you brought up the fact that Batman <laughs> Beyond was called Batman of the Future in the UK. Correct. Yeah. Myself and Galactosh do not remember this. <laughs> it's Batman Beyond. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really weird. Like, the only reason why I've, I've known this and been able to saying, yes, this did happen, because I had a pencil case of Batman Beyond, but on it, it said Batman of the Future. And for the longest time, I thought, well, maybe that was just something they did by that was wrong. But no, looking into it, it was a thing. Uh, it was, I don't uh... believe it. I think, I think, I, I think we've <laughs> all been brainwashed. This is the only Mandela effect that I think is true. <laughs> Normally, when people say the Mandela effect, I think you've just got a really dodgy memory. Yeah. No, no, no. But this is the only case of Mandela Effect. Everyone my age who remembers Batman Beyond remembers it as Batman Beyond. I just don't get it. <laughs> I honestly don't get it. It's crazy. I, supp- I mean, I... Go on. Go on. No, you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess it, it it's easily done in the how much, like, media and the changes between, you know, what UK gets and what America gets and how... Sometimes it overlaps, hmm. and I'll be maybe more associated with a, like a US release of something than an actual British release of something. Yeah. Like I think it's highly possible, but it is the weirdest change if it's is true. Like Batman of the future. <laughs> yeah. Now I give you that. Now with the way digital technology happens and everything's weird around the world and everything can instantly be seen anywhere. This was the nineties. If you didn't, if you had, if you wanted to know something about America, you had to wait for it to get posted. Yeah, like I, I, I... literally a letter in the post. It takes <laughs> six weeks to get there. Well, this is this is it. My theory is that because you and I were reading American comics at the time, maybe we were seeing adverts for it in there where it was referred to as Beyond. There is the chance, but like yeah, could I be that one. 
I just don't remember the series being called Batman of the Future when it was on TV. Like, I remember watching <laughs> it, like, and I don't remember it called Batman of the Future at any point. I mean, I've looked back now, there's YouTube videos of it with the title card and it says Batman of the Future. I'm like, I just don't believe this. This has been, this has been manufactured. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy. I, I, what can I say? I, uh, <laughs> but it was a good, I think, it was a good movie and a good TV series. But go on, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it, yeah, I think, don't get me wrong, if there's any debate about which one sounds better or should be mm. the, the name you call it, I think Batman Beyond sounds so much better. Yeah, uh, rolls off the tongue. Oh, <laughs> totally does, but literally, it's the it's the title that doesn't make sense either. Because <laughs> Batman of the Future, yeah, that makes more sense. It's Batman in the future, and it's the next Batman, Batman yeah. Beyond. What's that? Batman Beyond what? Beyond the Veil? Beyond the car park? <laughs> yeah. What does it mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legacy of that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does make more sense, but it, yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well, does it? No. Although it is, it's, it's good that you bring that up, because Mask of the Phantasm has a connection with Batman Beyond, right? Doesn't the Phantasm appear in the TV show? I think it's to do with Terry's... Like, what happens to his parents or something? Maybe. Like The, the Phantasm reappears, and I, I can't remember if it actually is Andrea, or someone dressed up as the Phantasm. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure you'll fact check me, but I'm... Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is interesting. No, no, quite possibly, yeah. I didn't know that, no. Yes, the Phantasm does have a connection to Terry McGuinness, the young Batman of Batman Beyond, but it's not within that series. It instead occurs in the 2004 to 2006 DC animated universe show, Justice League Unlimited, which serves as both a sequel to Justice League and a prequel to Batman Beyond. In the second season episode, Epilogue, an older Andrea Beaumont returns as the Phantasm, serving as a mercenary hired by Amanda Waller to assassinate Terry McGuinness's parents before his very eyes to somehow force the creation of a new Batman. She doesn't go through with it at the last minute, arguing that it would be breaking Bruce's cardinal rule of not killing and thus sully the legacy of Batman, which serves as something of a redemption for the character. I'll have to admit I haven't watched all of Batman of the no, future. No, me neither. I might have watched all of Batman Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something I've been meaning to get around to. I know it's good, and I did watch a lot of it at the time, but because I, I mean, I I thought Batman the animated series was the best, and then ba- Batman the New Adventures, yeah. the new or the new Batman Adventures was. I didn't quite like the revamp. Mm. It was okay. Felt a little more kiddie. Yeah, it didn't look as good. And then you obviously had Batman Beyond or of the Future, <laughs> which was the like final part in the Batman animated series trilogy as it were I guess before it all got rebooted and when they did the, the Batman cartoon yeah <laughs> and they yeah they gave they gave the Joker dreadlocks for some reason yeah <laughs> and then they and Batman the Brave and the Bold as well yep which apparently is quite... uh, Brave and the Bold is alright though yeah it is that's much more closer to the 66 Batman Brave and the Bold is fun it is yeah it's very tongue in cheek yeah. comedic so it's not quite the same beast at all. Brave and the Bold has a really good um, uh, way of handling a cancellation in a show. Its last episode is fantastic. Really? Just for anyone. Yeah. Explain. Watch a lot. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, it's just the way it, the way you know it got cancelled, but the way they handled it in the show, I think, is really fun. Um... <laughs> 
Its its roots are in the comics because there was a Batman the Brave and the Bold comic, and it was a team up comic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which is what the t- what the TV show is. It was DC's version of Marvel Marvel team up or Marvel two in one. Mm. From, I think it's actually older. Yeah. So I've put it the wrong way around. Although I think that the Batman show was pretty good. It just um, it was very. Uh... It was very much of 2000, mm. or whatever, when it, when it came out. It was one of those shows where it had a very dramatic change in character designs, like Joker with the dreadlocks in, but it was just really weird changes that they made artistically, but the stories in that was really good. Mm. I, would, I would say give it a watch. Did that get cancelled, <laughs> or did it finish properly? It ran for like two mm. series. I think it got three. it got three. disappeared. Like, was it three? Yeah. It did get stopped really abruptly as well, though. As everything does these days, it tends to happen, doesn't it? It's like rights change hands or whatever, and they go, ah, right, stop, reboot, do it again. Like, uh, there was another one, like Beware the Batman, which was very short-lived. Yeah. CGI show. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to finish running through the other animated movies, there was Batman, The Mystery of the Batwoman, which was more based in the new Batman Adventures um, mm. universe, which is slightly different to the animated series. Not very good, really. No. No. <laughs> and I've not seen Batman and Harley Quinn. Is it any good? I haven't seen that. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah, it came out in 2017, apparently. And it's within the the animated universe, sort of. Oh, is that the one with Nightwings, isn't it? I, I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, no, I, I honestly didn't know that one had come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to check it out sometime. But I'm, I've not really looked at the reviews. It might, it might be terrible. Who knows? Hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> well, I know they did some animated sequels to the Batman sixty six. Mm. Oh yes, yeah. Because they got they got William Shatner in to play Two Face. That's great. <laughs> was he good? Because apparently he was lined up to do it in the '66. Really? It's quite it's fun. It's it, it's fun. It's fun and funny. Yeah. Love me, love me a bit of Shatner. So. <laughs> and you've got Adam West and Burt Ward back in it. Mm-hmm. So I recommend I recommend them if you ever want to watch a cartoon. Yeah. There's also a, there was a, there was a spin-off comic as well for the '66, which I I recommend as well. Yeah. Really good. Very much faithful to the original series. Very, very good. Yeah. Big recommend. And I, th- I don't think it ran that long, so you can probably get it all in a trade quite easily, quite cheaply. Oh, you can. And there's a couple of spin-offs. Uh, I think even Kevin Smith wrote, wrote one of them. Yeah. And Kevin Smith, I mean, you, you can say what you want about him, but he's not a, he's not a bad comic writer. No. Uh, if, you like, if you like your comics a bit more verbose. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a way to go. I have nothing against him, by yeah. the way. That sounded like I was no. doing a bit of a backhanded <laughs> dig at it. <laughs> he did do a great, great reboot on Green Arrow, which I really enjoyed. Yes, I was. His run on Daredevil was fantastic mm. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess what we should talk about before we we wrap it up is the toys, because there's there's a very interesting thing about the toys that uh, we'll get mm. on to soon, but like. At the time, Kenner had the license to make the toys. They'd been doing DC toys for ages. There was a there was a brief period where Toy Biz took over when the '89 movie came out, but they only had the license for about a year for some reason, and then it went back to Kenner. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, that would have been about the time Toy Biz was 
getting involved with buying up Marvel. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. So maybe uh, maybe there was a conflict of interest there. Yeah. Yeah. The Batman animated uh, series toy line had been running for quite a while by this point, and there was plenty of it. But they did some specific uh, Mask of the Phantasm releases. Only seven. And five of them are Batman. <laughs> you can never have too many Batman. <laughs> yeah, there's Tornado Batman, Rapid, Rapid Attack Batman, Retro Batman, Total Armor Batman, and Decoy Batman. And may I ask, when do any of these appear in the film? <laughs> none of them appear in the film at all. They, none of them look anything like the guy in the movie. <laughs> Nice to see things haven't changed much. Just wanting to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all they're all wrong. <laughs> um, and then you've got a Joker with a jetpack who's actually quite close to how he looked in the movie, and a Phantasm. So who wants to tell the story about oh. the Phantasm toy? Ooh, ooh. May, I? May I? I? Even I know about this one. Um, not being a toy person myself, even I know about this was. Um, might have been one of the reasons why the film might not have done so well, because <laughs> it is it it betrays the plot in a massive way. It does. <laughs> they um so you've got the toy, the phantasm, and it's even got a sticker on the front saying "Who is the phantasm?" <laughs> but it's on a it's on a plastic it's on a blister pack. Yeah, you turn it to one side, and you go, "Oh, it's her." <laughs> it's not just that. Like she comes with a um a removable mask and cape, right? But. Yeah. In in the package, in the package, in the package, she she's packaged next mm. to the removable cape and and mask. So <laughs> yeah. she's just there. Yeah, that's what I mean. You just you just move the blister to one side under the sticker that says "Who is the Phantasm," <laughs> and you can see a redhead and go, "Oh, it's the woman." Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. It, it's a complete spoiler. It's terrible, and it came out I think before the movie, so as usually things do, you know, or around about the same time. So wrecked it yeah. for loads of people. <laughs> like, this is literally one of the few toy stories in the world I know. It's like, yeah. Yep, their marketing department decided to spoil the entire plot. It's so mad. Cause... Even having the sticker to warn you that you don't want to know who is it, but we're just going to show you. It could have so easily packaged her with the disguise on. Yeah, that's all it would have taken. <laughs> Or even a cardboard box over the head in the back. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, something. I mean, people would have found out easily yeah, just enough. Just a little bit of packaging over the head. But yeah, just to have it there on the peg in Toys R Us. Just, there it is. There you go. There's your villain. Everyone knows who you are. It, it's not even a long film. What is it? It's 72 minutes. Yeah. Mm. And you find out that, that she's the Phantasm like 60, 80 minutes in. Yeah. And Warner Brothers, <laughs> Warner Brothers were incredibly cagey about revealing who the Phantasm was leading up to the movie. And then this thing appears on the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> Ruins it. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're 90s action figures. They're nice enough. They're fine. Um, Batman, all the Batmans have stupid t- play features. <laughs> like um, whirling weapons and escape hooks and removable <laughs> battle armor, all kinds of crazy stuff that has nothing to do with the movie at all. Is there even a, a Batman where you can remove the cowl? There's one way he where, where he tra- where he I'm going to put this in inverted commas can transform backwards and forwards between Bruce Wayne and Batman, but he's basically Bruce Wayne wearing a Batman costume. Only he's not got the hood on, and you just put the hood on over the top of his head, and he's Batman. 
Well, it's so something. I mean, I guess you could reenact the the cop, the cop chase, but it's, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not really that good. But yeah, you can, it's, that's the one called. It's called mm-hmm. Decoy mm-hmm. Batman. Oh, right. But yeah, you, Decoy. Yeah, and he's red and black. Oh, oh. oh. He looks more like Robin. Wow. <laughs> Well, that would be a massive decoy. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, but yeah, they are they are a bit mad. But yeah, I mean, the Joker figure's quite nice. It has its jetpack and everything, and the, the Phantasm's cool. If, you, if, if they hadn't spoiled it the way they did, it's quite a nice figure. But yeah, it was only a very very small subline of toys. Of course, there have been many toys since then. I think um, Dave showed us one a minute ago, but that's that's mostly DC animated, isn't it? I don't, they have done the Phantasm, though, haven't they? At least once. Uh, yes, yes, they have. Uh, it was like their extended uh, universe thing. They put it in there, I think, yeah. Yeah, and one day, without a doubt, Todd McFarlane will will do it in his <laughs> in his line and, and, and it will look like a rugby player. I'm surprised he hasn't done it already, to be fair. Um, I guess yeah. it's... Maybe it's too close to the bone because he drew it. <laughs> He's too busy making Batman figures. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, I mean, I'm, I'm almost surprised that the way he's putting out Batman, that he isn't doing like submarine Batman with whirling gimmicks and. Oh, he's getting know. there. <laughs> he's getting there. Has he done all the Batman in the different colours yet? <sighs> in all the different colours of the rainbow? Uh, not, not yet. <laughs> that has been done though. That has been uh, done by another company. Has it? Yeah. I know they did it in Funko Pops, but. Yeah. <laughs> They did do the other one, the Zenar Batman, his split personality thing. The one with the purple and the red. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it was like um, Earth Two or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was a it was a Batman from another universe. Yeah, but I mean, this is the thing. He's been doing this line. Todd McFarlane's been had the license for DC for maybe three or four years now, and if you look at the releases. Almost fifty percent of them are Batman. Probably more like seventy. <laughs> can't stop making Batman. I, I get it, but come on, you know. Have they done Batman with a broken back yet? <laughs> no. no. Batman in wheelchair. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Have they done Batmite? No. Oh, maybe. No. No. Well, I'm sure someone has, but but not Todd. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. There's, there's still there's still plenty of Batman for him to do then. <laughs> yeah, there's loads. I mean, there's there, there's so many versions of Batman over the years that you know you can keep going forever. Different artist styles, different um, different comic books, different kind of uh, spin-off comics, like um, alternate reality versions of him, and so on. It goes on and on and on. So he's never he's not going to run out. No. Has he done his own versions of Batman yet? Yes. 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 Did the year two one? <laughs> right. Just wanted to double check that. With a with a massive flowing cape. Yes. Right. Just wanted to check he'd done that. <laughs> it basically renders the toy a statue. <laughs> because the nice. cape's so ma- massive and long, you have to pull his arms off and then they break, as uh, as I found out. As Dave knows. <laughs> you have to pull his arms off and then put the cape on over the top of his body and then he became becomes basically a statue. And then you can take the cape off and put like a, a cloth cape on instead if you want him to be an actual action figure. But yeah, he has done that and it's it's currently shelf warming at Dave's Comics right now. <laughs> 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 on 
Honestly, they have about 50 of them and they're not selling. They've been there for like what, all year, really, hasn't it? Oh. <laughs> mm. Well, it, it doesn't help that there's a massive quality control issue with it where the yeah. arms snap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think people have gone, oh, no, I'm not buying that then. Yeah, don't buy it. You've got it. Yours broke. Yeah, I, yeah mine broke. Yeah. Don't buy it. You, and, you still buy, and you still buy McFarlane toys regardless. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, where are you getting the facts about that? <laughs> there's, there's that lovely sun-damaged um, Azrael Batman you've got there. Great. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the animated one. And that and that doesn't even look like any Batman ever looked like in the animated series. It's way too wide. It's wider than it is tall. <laughs> that looks more like the Beware the Batman or the Batman Batman. Mm, not yeah. the Batman animated series Batman. Or even Brave and the Bold. He's big. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's definitely been down the gym doing some weights. <laughs> mm, absolutely. But he's, he's missed leg day. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. <laughs> Batman wouldn't miss leg day. No. Although, I mean, Batman, the animated series, he had very slender legs as well, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, but there's still some definition there. Yeah. It, you could tell he hadn't missed leg day. It wasn't until they moved into the new adventures that um, he became even more kind of stylized. Yeah. Yeah. Looked like he was walking around on on stilts. Yeah, well, I think it was. It, I think Bruce Tim had a lot more creative control when they rebooted it. You know what I mean? So it became more Bruce Timmy. Yeah. Mm. So before we wrap up, anything else anyone wants to say about Batman: Mask of the Phantasm? No, I just wish they'd make all all Batman films like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Concise and to the point. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was going to say just. I I really hope they don't make um like try to remake this in live action. Like just don't just don't 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 need to touch it, you know. Oh no, it wouldn't work in live action this film. That's one of the things I noted while watching it again. It was like it can't work in live action. That's my feeling about a lot of stuff. <laughs> if it's if it's good, leave it well alone. Yes, please. Do, yeah. <laughs> do not, you know, there's, there's no need to <laughs> Tamper. No. Leave it leave it be. Yeah. You're only going to um you know, muddy its legacy by uh revisiting such things, you know. We've seen it happen with so many other things. The only way they could the only way they could redo this is literally if they just gave it a bit of spit and polish. Yeah. Maybe give it an H D remaster. Mm. That's the only thing that I'd say do. Yeah, to this. yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be happy with that. That would be lovely. Clean it up a bit, smooth out the animation where it got rushed here and there. Mm-hmm. Redo the colour in a bit to make it more vibrant for the modern day and age. But that's just sort of polish. They can't change it. Embarrassingly, none of us are aware this has already happened. A 1080p HD remaster on Blu-ray was released in the USA in 2017. Sadly, it doesn't appear to have received a UK release, which might explain why none of us were aware of it. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Yes, and if you haven't, please go and listen to the score. Oh my goodness, it, uh, yeah, it's great music. It is a great score. Yeah, until the credits. At the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> do what I generally do, which is turn turn it off when you get to the credits. Please remember, it was the nineties. There was no post credits back in the nineties. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> this is why I miss. Most post-credit scenes because I'm not sitting through that shit to watch some, <laughs> some little Easter egg. I'll just go home and wait until someone uploads it on YouTube. 
It's not worth the wait. This is how you don't know who the villain is for the next Batman. Mm-hmm. The, sorry, mm-hmm. next the Batman. Because <laughs> you didn't stick around to the end, did you? No, I, I didn't. I walked straight out. I'd, it had already wasted enough of my time. Three hours of... Yeah, I have the, I have the sickness. I watched it to the end. I knew there'd be did. something. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I think I just checked it out online later. And I think I was still looking for a piece of my jigsaw in the middle. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just rolling on in the background anyway. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I suppose you were at home. That makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel the need to go to the cinema for this. Mm. It was bad enough that I bought it on the Blu-ray. Uh, really? But it was £5. It was still cheaper than going to see it at the cinema. Right then, so that's it. That's the Arg My Optics lowdown on Batman Mask of the Phantasm. What did you think? Do you agree with us? Is it the greatest Batman movie ever made? I think so. <laughs> what did we miss? Is there anything that you, that, that you think we didn't talk about? Please post it in the comments and visit us on social media. Find me at, at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear on Twitter and Instagram respectively. Dave, where can they find you? Um, yeah, if you want to find me and my love-hate relationship with um, McFarlane Toys, um, come find me <laughs> at Instagram, um, virtualdave26. Excellent. So, very special thank you for our returning guest host, Galactosh. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, mm. it's been fantastic. And we're a um, little teaser. We're probably going to have uh, Galactosh back in the uh, Arbmeltics virtual studio very soon. Woo! Yeah bit of a Christmas party kind of vibe I think so uh, don't forget that if you enjoyed this podcast you can let us know by liking subscribing sharing reviewing etc etc we really appreciate it not only that if you want to show your appreciation with actual money go to www.patreon.com slash argmyoptics don't forget the double A and uh, you know splash us some cash you get some uh, free well it's not free you've paid you get some bonus content. <laughs> That's not how you sell it. It's like, get some free stuff after you've given us some money. Well, and this is why our patron numbers are so low. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, yes, please do, please do do that. Thank you for listening. And please join us next time on... Ah, my, my Optics! optics.